Good afternoon, everyone. Thanks for joining us. So welcome to the Parents at Work Balance and Wellbeing webinar. Today, we are exploring embracing tension and what's your relationship with tension in life? Um, you're joined with uh, Sam Eddy and myself, Katie, um, and we look forward to exploring this topic in more detail. I really encourage you to add your questions. You'll see those in the right-hand um, box so that you'll be able to yeah, comment on what's happening with you, what's happening in your situations, and if you'd like to introduce any other aspects, we're really happy to respond. It adds to a bit more interactivity and makes it a bit more personal as well, and anything that you're sharing, other people will be able to relate to in their way as well, so please don't hold back. So um, welcome, Sam. Hi, Katie, how are you? Yeah, good, good, thanks. That's good. So what, yeah, what, what does that mean to you when you hear, um, you know, embracing tension and, and what does tension mean to you? Well, it's funny, isn't it? It's, it's such a good topic again. We, we've covered this off a little bit, I guess, in terms of stress, but I love how we've framed it in terms of embracing tension because it is such a paradoxical kind of idea when we think of tension or stress or anything negative, the idea of embracing it is a bit counterintuitive. So I guess the first thing that comes up and, you know, as you said, Katie, keen to hear what people think about this because when we talk about embracing tension, I'd love to know what that springs to mind. So if you have any comments around that, you know, do you think it's a bit paradoxical or a bit counterintuitive as well? I know the work, a lot of the work I do with clients is, around this very idea of embracing the tension that is in your life because it will come up, tension will come up in all areas of our lives. It's not about embracing it in terms of wanting to get more and deliberately try to find sources of tension. So it's probably good to clarify that from the start, but it's about, I guess, acknowledging and accepting that there is tension in areas of our lives, especially when we're busy working people, uh, many with kids, demands at home, demands at work, pressures at work, a lot of expectations around how we should be performing at work, performing as parents, a lot of criticism we hear around what's what makes a good parent, what makes a good employee, depending on what work environment you're in. The, the world we live in is often very competitive and that can also bring in a lot of tension. We have to, in order for us to get ahead, so to speak, someone else has to effectively stay behind and that can cause a lot of tension for people in terms of what that means so it's such a big topic and and i know with the work i do with clients having a different approach to it and embracing it being open to the tension that comes your way instead of retracting and closing against it and i'm sure we'll talk more about it but it's such a it can be such a powerful tool to sort of find peace with your journey in what, what whatever part of life you're in, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely makes sense. I think that's the biggest thing, especially um, today, you know, more and more people are talking about the tensions that they're feeling in life. So are we clocking that or are we just embracing ourselves, kind of embracing ourselves for our day, getting up and, and going through what can sometimes feel like a little bit of a battlefield, depending on what's going on in our lives. Or, you know, do we clock, you know what, yeah, there's quite a bit going on now. I am feeling a bit tense. How do I need to support myself with what's going on at the moment? And therefore, you're able to read a situation more rather than being in it. 
if that makes sense. Yes, yeah. Yeah. I mean, so. Sorry, I was just going to jump in. I mean, I mean, how how do people like if I sort of cut to the chase? How do you how do you embrace tension? Yeah, but I, know, that, I know you that, do a lot of work with this, Katie. So I'd yeah, love to for you to share with the audience. Yeah, sure. That that's something that there's even more on in our in our lives at the moment with work and home and moving and um, relocating aspects, etc. So it's really really encouraging that aspect of what are the tensions. And then because you, you find you do get, and I, I could feel this within myself a little bit, I was getting a bit kind of hard in my body a little bit, bracing a little bit, and I just went, no, that's not supporting anything. And if we're reacting to the tensions around us, tension feeds tension. So it's acknowledging and going, yeah, there's a bit more on at the moment. How do I need to look after myself more deeply in that process? And by you doing that, that supports everyone around you as well and reduces that tension feeding tension aspect mm. so allowing yourself to feel the vulnerabilities in that and going yep that's a logistical aspect right now so therefore how do we need to maybe restructure our lives in certain weeks uh, the flow of home the flow of work the flow of picking kids up the flow of what's needed um, how can we reallocate things a little bit to support rather than you just feeling you need to do it all you're the person so it, it's like a bit of, a bit more consideration is needed in those times when we've, we've got a bit more tension because demands are a bit more heightened but I think I feel one of the most important aspects is acknowledging it just going you know what yeah things feel a bit more intense and often you can be in a meeting and it's really intense and just someone acknowledging that or you know cutting it so to speak coming in from a different angle you can feel the whole room shift in a way of yeah look you know what we don't have to feel like we're in the battlefield here um, we can acknowledge we've got this difficult situation let's say with a customer it's asking more for from us than what we've had to deliver before or it's really challenging in different aspects just by acknowledging that confirms you know what this is what we're all working with this is what we'll be feeling we'll have our personal reactions to that so to speak um, but it just allows a greater depth of support to start to be activated and to come in as well I think they're great points Katie and I like what you said around when you clocked yourself in terms of um, tension in your body or you've been a bit hard on your body lately so I guess from, to, to my mind the first thing that I encourage people to do is have that exactly what you described have that start with that self-awareness of where there is tension in your life um, and how your body responds to tension how you emotionally respond to tension where your thoughts go when tension comes along and start to note down the areas in your life that draw say a bracing reaction because it's often in the body where we can feel tension that is a good signal that because one situation can be tense for someone but not necessarily for another so it's really relative to you and your situation so understanding how your body's feeling is your heart racing a bit are you feeling muscle tension stress tension in the shoulders headaches sore neck back all that sort of stuff it's physical tension but it doesn't necessarily come it may do but it doesn't necessarily come from a physical only environmental problem it can be to do with how we're tensing up against the idea of something going wrong perhaps the idea of facing confrontation at work the idea of having to present in front of people something that seems so simple but can 
be such a tension-fueled idea. Perhaps tensing, tensing up against what's happening with your kids at school, at home. They might be going through a developmental phase and really pushing your buttons and challenging. So really noticing those areas of tension and I guess linking to that, noting down what your triggers are. And it can be hard because when tension is present in our lives, in many facets of our lives, that can be kind of the new normal. So we might have been feeling tension for a long time, but it's because we feel normal. Often clients say to me when I first start talking about this stuff, I say, well, actually, I don't feel tense at all. But when we start to unpack it, they start to find, oh, actually, I'm feeling quite tense. I didn't realise how tight I am in the shoulders. They might get a massage and they realise how they've been tensing against life because it's just been the new normal. It's been how they've mm. been for so many years, how they've kind of been fighting through life. So it, so when we kind of do that self-awareness piece and go, where are the sources of tension? It can take a little bit of time. And over time, you tend to uncover more and more, which is really good, but it can be a bit of a journey. Yeah, it's so true. And that, that's the thing, what is our new normal? And then if you've got that tension that you're talking about in your body, then that feeds more tension because you're more reactive, you're more wound up in your body, your body's tight. So that, yeah, exactly brings us back to, you know, acknowledging that tension. And we have a bit of a soldiering on mentality quite often as well um, that doesn't, doesn't serve and it uh, limits things. So just by the, these conversations and, as you say, you know, getting that support at times when you need it so that you are being allowing yourself to be a little bit more honest with how you are feeling and and that's perfectly fine it everyone has has a level of tension that they're living with I mean it's interesting you say that do you think I mean like when you said it's perfectly fine do you think there's stigma around having to acknowledge that there is tension or even the dreaded s word stress (laughs) <laughs> yeah, absolutely, I do. And it's like the bar kicks, but getting raised on what we're expecting of ourselves and what jobs may be expecting or a culture as a whole. Because um, we've got to stop and we've got to look, why is it that? I was talking to a doctor the other day and she said the amount of kids, 9 and 10, on antidepressants is just escalating. It's 9 and 10. So we've got to go, how are we living then that? The rates of conditional um, stress, which that absolutely is, and depression, etc., is escalating, especially at such a young age when um, that you know that wasn't heard of. And I don't think it's a case of um, being more diagnosed. Um, I, I do actually very much feel it's a case that th- those conditions are escalating because you could say, well, if we look back 20 years, maybe that was the same, but it just wasn't diagnosed as such. But yeah, from the comment from the conversations having with the medical practitioners it's definitely escalating um you know and that we've got to look at well how are we operating too if we're feeling that of course our kids are going to be stressed because they're picking up on everything and it's, it's not not a case of perfection here it's just that honesty to go you know what yeah i am feeling more stressed than i did a year ago or five years ago what are the contributing aspects to that how do i want to live my life how do i want to be a parent um, a friend, a, a colleague, etc. And what, yeah, what, what can shift? What, where have I got to look at my expectations as to what I'm asking? What's really important? What, what can I drop away um, from 
from what I'm doing or how I'm committing myself, etc. And and that big picture, because I think so much of life wants to suck us into being in the situation rather than looking big picture, stepping out and just having a little observation of how you are, how you are in your day, how you feel when you wake up, how you feel when you're going to bed, because there's so much learning that we can get insight into what will support us if we allow ourselves to step back and let go and 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 not having um, an investment. Investments are huge stress contributors and tension contributors. Yeah, I love what you're saying. And, and when you talked about the age of all young kids being diagnosed with depression or on medication for tension-related, I guess, mental health problems, if you like, it, it just made me think of time or lack of time in the world, in the busy world in which we live, perhaps contributing to it. If we're constantly on the go and our kids feel that clearly, then where the nervous system, adrenaline is pumping through the nervous system, we're constantly on, in that arousal state. So I guess it's almost a logical, unfortunately, unfortunately, I guess, result of this kind of world in which this fast-paced world in which we live. So I guess it unfortunately makes sense. In, in one regard, but it doesn't obviously help. Um, yeah. So just so giving time and finding time in our life to try and start to diffuse this a bit. Yeah, can yeah. Be a good first step. Definitely, and, and if time was a commodity that you can purchase, someone would be very, very rich. Um, so it's looking at how things are sucking us into situations so that it feels like we're really time poor because it's amazing. The small things don't discount them. Um, so I, yeah, I was talking to a, a client the other day, and they said, "Ah, oh, this database. I just, I know uh, um, it was like a central database system, and it wasn't where it needed to be." And and they were saying, "I just don't have time to to do what I need to do and to update it, and I can feel all these other priorities with work that I need to do, and they're more important." I said, "But if this, if you've just identified that that's draining you." The fact that your tool that you are using isn't where it needs to be so much more than what you realise is actually draining you because of that. So well, how about just allocating half an hour a day? The whole task might feel overwhelming because of all the hours that are needed. But what if you just started half a day working with that database, updating, and then when the half an hour, sorry, half an hour, not half a day, half an hour is over or an hour, whatever you feel is reasonable, then you commit to the other aspects. And they started to do that and said the shift was just amazing, something so small because they could feel they were being proactive with dealing what needed to happen, also making themselves available for the other aspects. So it had a mental shift. It wasn't just a, a physical shift. They, they, Their words were, I could feel more space being created, even though the situation wasn't going to be fixed overnight. It shifted so much within themselves um, to not feel the overwhelm that was being experienced and overwhelms a huge tension. So it's just a practical example, but um, emphasising, so yeah, emphasising us not to override those little things because they make a huge difference. Um, I mean, as you were talking before as well, Katie, I think you're sort of getting at you, looking at all areas of your life around where is tension coming. Um, and it sort of reminded me of, I often run some sort of wellbeing training, if you like, in the corporate environment using the Wheel of Life tool. I don't know if anyone's come across it. 
anyone listening or yourself, Katie, but it's a really simple tool. And what you have to do with it, it's a circle and it's divided into eight sections. Um, and it covers basically different areas of your life. And the role and the, and the idea is to rate your level of satisfaction in each area of your life. So you can put whatever areas you want, but generally the areas you focus on are finances, health, both physical and mental, um, your career, friends and family, relationships, personal development, etc. And what you do is you give yourself a rating out of 10. And then you start to also list what is stressing you out the most. So if you have to give yourself a rating, perhaps it could be money that's stressing you out, you might give yourself a three out of 10 and you're starting to identify the areas that are stressing you out. You might perhaps be struggling with mortgage payments as an example, and you sort of know that in the back of your mind, but sometimes it's not until you put it down on paper that you realise how much tension it's sort of causing in your life. So putting it down on paper, using a tool like, such as the Wheel of Life, and if you're interested, you can just Google and find examples of it. It can be quite a good way of looking at the areas in your life that are causing the most tension and then starting to note down any triggers as well around it. So triggers are the things that draw out our exaggerated emotional reaction when they come up. So if finances is an issue for you, for example, if you hear about someone repaying a mortgage or buying a house, it could be a trigger for you or if there's Perhaps your kid's having a trouble at school, there might be a trigger around people performing well at school. So that could be another trigger. So noting those down can be really powerful and be a way of just trying to identify the tensions in your life. And it's always good to try and address the ones that are stressing you out the most because they can sort of set everything else off. So that can be a really handy tool to use as well. Mm, I like it. Yeah, great practical tool. So is there anything from just, I was just going to say, um, you know, if anyone's listening um, and has thought of any common areas of tension either for themselves or for others, if you sort of perhaps want to write it down in the question box, we can, or if you've got any, if you have any specific queries about different areas of your life where tension comes in, we can talk about them more specifically because we'd love to hear from you if anything we've said so far raises more questions for you in terms of how do you actually embrace tension or if you've been successful in embracing tension, we'd love to hear your comments. I think there's about 30 of you online, so I'd love to hear what you think. Yeah, it'd be great, great to have some specifics in there. And I feel also if we look at, at tension as a whole and when you're specifically clocking it within yourself, just to step back and say what what is this actual moment requiring me? of me or what what is needed here so it may be a situation actually where a lot's being required of you but about you know having a moment to yourself to go what specifically is needed here and it may not be in accordance to what's being asked of you from others um, but you'll feel something within that and you'll you'll have an impulse as to what actually is needed in any any particular situation and then just activating that and, and this one's a great tool as well when you're feeling a bit overwhelmed, um, just to come back and go, okay, there's only one of me, so what's needed right now? Even though your list of to-do may be quite long, it's just bringing it back into moments, aspects of what's needed, and then from activating what you feel in that moment, then you'll get the impulse of what next, what next, what next, and then you'll find that you're actually more productive 
then if you're in that, oh my gosh, there's just so much to do and what needs my focus, etc. And needing that, I guess that sense of needing to feel in control can be a source of tension in itself, can't it? And I like what you said around there's only one of me. So when people start to realise that and, and get a bit of perspective on it, it doesn't mean you're necessarily reducing the task list in, in order to feel better. It's just getting comfortable in knowing that you can only do your best. Um, and yeah. you know, all you can do is get through each moment at a time. So if the task list remains, that's okay. You might, you'll get to it when you can, but you're taking the pressure off and all the tension that comes with it. That sort of, I must get this done, or if I don't get this done, I'm failing. I'm not good enough or I'm um, inadequate in some way. So it can be the stories that we create around this stuff in our head that cause us the most suffering. So true. And look, you're going to have those days, which I'm sure we can all relate to, where you get to the end of the day and go, I really haven't achieved much at all. But you've been busy and, and you've been working with what's there. And there are those days and there are those other days where there's more space um, and you're able to process a lot more, um, complete a lot more from a task point of view as well. So again, stepping back and, and looking at the whole week and, and what's required and then having, you know, that contingency for when you do have those days that it, it feels like you're waiting in thick sand sometimes or, you know, there's conversations that are needing your focus which are important and um, or meetings, etc., that you didn't plan, you didn't schedule. Um, so seeing it as a whole week and then seeing it as a whole month, um, often that helps to reflect back and go, well, actually, well, yeah, look at what I have achieved in that whole month. And um, some days are going to feel more productive than other days as well, but you, you're, you're still working with what's needed. Um, Katie, what, I'm curious as to what you see in terms of, I don't know, the work you do with clients or just more generally in the, in the world in which you operate, what are, what are the, the sort of the areas of life that people are often feeling the most tension from, do you think? I feel it's, um, yeah, no, it's a great question because I, I feel things can't be decompartmentalised like they once used to be. So, you know, like you were saying before in the, in the beginning, that um, depending on what's happening at home and depending on what's happening at work, it all has an effect on, on each. So not downplaying that as well and um, coming back to recognising those tensions when one area might be more taxing depending, you were mentioning before, with what's going on for the kids and what they're processing, et cetera. It, it can have a huge impact on how we're feeling too and or how we're responding to that as well. So um, it can shift a little bit, of course, with it might be we're feeling more tension from work or we might be feeling more tension from home. But I find it really supports if we look at life as one big circle and everything is actually interconnected. And it is because, you know, if you've had a disagreement with your partner, it's not going to feel so good in your day. And even though you might be putting it aside so that you're being diligent and professional with what's needed, you know, it's still still got that impact. So, um, you know, I feel if people kind of put on the work hat and expect themselves to be a certain way at work and then put on the dad hat or the mum hat and expect ourselves to be a certain way, it, it, it actually increases the tension um, rather than saying, hey, you know, I'm me, I'm Katie, 
and this is actually how I'm feeling today. And of course, I'm going to apply my best, but I have to be aware that, you know, what's being asked of me is a bit more at the moment. And then, you know, you're more available to yourself with what you need as you are then to everything else rather than just going, park myself to the side, soldier on, get through all of this stuff. Um, as we said before, there's then a hardening that, that happens in the body when we do that, which is a, is a huge trigger for that tension and that accumulation of tension and then to have the aches and pains and neck or headache. Headaches are a big thing when people are tense because it's, frust you know, the frustration uh, that they're feeling in their body, then um, headaches can often be a physical symptom of that tension as well. So if you have suddenly got a headache, if you feel a headache coming, it's a great warning from your body to go, hey, there's building tension here and there's building frustration here. So even though you may not have clocked it, this your body's saying, this is what I'm feeling. So you either start to shift what you're expecting of yourself, how you're working, you know, working, acknowledging the frustration that you might be feeling, et cetera. And, and that can often be a great marker before the headache gets worse or goes into a migraine or goes into other aches and pains in the body as well. I mean, this is such what? good stuff, Katie. You, um, <laughs> you just made me think of what we do. We've talk, I think we've had a, a topic on self-sabotage, haven't we? And yeah. you just made me think of it with the headache example. And, and you also mentioned that, that life is a circle, everything's interrelated, nothing works in isolation. And the headache is that classic example or some other physical ache or pain where we we treat it as in isolation sometimes and with good with good intention usually I'm sure but we try and push through we try and um, you know, grab a Panadol have a coffee, cup of coffee to perk up just to push through and, and what we're doing every time we're doing that we're not listening to the body it's giving us a little warning to say uh, you know something's going on here that you need to address perhaps there's a bit too much tension you need to take a break slow down a little but when we override we're just adding tension to tension and we're also not looking, as you say, in that big picture and thinking, well, hang on, I'm getting a headache, you know, a couple of times a week now, for example. What's going on? What's changed in my life? Um, what's going on at home in my relationship? Are we on each other's, you know, getting on each other's nerves a bit? Is there a big event coming up that's causing tension in the family that that's not resolved? And so I'm, the adrenaline's pumping more and more, the nervous system's under a bit of pressure. So I think we can probably all relate to those examples and we've often all overridden them. But if we think about it, when we get a bit of perspective, we take a bit of time and space, we can start to go, oh, this is a big source of tension that needs to be addressed. So it's the great comments. Yeah, and that's what's so cool about the body. It's the micro of all truth. <laughs> you know, even if we're not listening, it's like, oh, I'm talking pretty loud here. So yeah, start seeing the patterns. Um, okay i'll go quickly uh, i was just going to say um that we we talk about this stuff often we talk we talk about the way to deal deal with this stuff we talk about using the body as a gauge but i just wanted to sort of talk about briefly we've got a question here so i'll get to that shortly so thank you for, for the person who's put that in and uh, would love some more but i we, we repeat a lot of the same information around the same themes because all themes that we talk about are interrelated and, when, and it's sort of deliberate because when tension and stress is present in our life, 
it's important that we take time out regularly, whether it be through coming onto a webinar like this or a podcast, a live podcast, speaking to someone, a friend, a trusted advisor, whoever it may be, stepping out of your everyday cycle of busyness. It's so important and, and often the solutions are really simple. So the way we talk, if it's fair for me to say, Katie, is I think we, we're pretty simple, pretty practical, but we often need to hear the same things over and over again. If we hear things that resonate, we need to practice it um, yeah. because it's so easy to get swept up in the busy life and that's why we need to hear this stuff again and again and again. I just want to make that point because it's true that we will repeat the same stuff because everything is interrelated, but often the advice or the solutions are pretty simple if we're able to sort of step out of our cycle. Oh, so true. Thank you for, for adding that because... Um you know, it, it's just, it's like the same thing when you're talking then, Sam, I started reflecting on how many times have we made what often people call New Year's resolutions, so to speak, like you know what's good for you, you know what's needed, you know where the sabotage is, you, you know, you know, and then the same patterns keep happening over and over and that's what we're breaking down and, and that's what the balance and wellbeing um, uh, webcasts offer in that is we're breaking down these patterns and you know, there's the bit of us that really wants to support ourselves and there's that bit that kicks in going, oh, you know what, I just want to eat this and I know I'm not going to feel great afterwards, but you know what, right now no one can stop me eating it because I'm just going to eat it. And then you eat it and then afterwards it's like, oh, yeah, don't feel so good. Won't do that next time. Then next time comes and it's like feeling tension in my body, that, that conversation's really triggered something, so I'm going to go for the chocolate or I'm going to go for this or that. So we have an absolute knowing within us of what does support but it, it's exactly that. What is our relationship with the tension? How are we working with it? And to me, that's the evolutionary process. That's the self-development when you go, okay, wow, you know, I just had a breakthrough. I didn't go for that chocolate during that after that conversation. And it doesn't mean you're never going to go for the chocolate, but just acknowledging that's pretty cool. This week's been pretty intense and I didn't go for that block of chocolate. That, that's amazing in itself because for me, or whoever it may be, that might have been an obstacle, etc. So it it's also appreciating within yourself how you are working with situations, and when you acknowledge that you've just broken through a pattern that had you had you you know not supporting yourself, then you've got to go, man. That's well done, especially in in a, a lifestyle I suppose that we're all living in that does have a lot of tension and is increasing, as we said before, when we're seeing younger and younger kids needing a lot more intervention to help support them with the symptoms of stress, um, anxiety and depression. So, mm. you know, we've got, to, we've got to appreciate those things as well and not be hard on ourselves to go, yeah, but you know what, I said I wouldn't do this anymore and here I am still doing it. So it, it's hand in hand with that relationship and, and acknowledging the breakthroughs that we are having as well. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, we've got a couple of good questions here, so thank you, um, and keep them coming. We might be able to get to a few more too. Um, the first one is a question around how to manage politics at work, and I'll, I'll just read it out. I'd, I'd love, this is the question, I'd love to hear more around work politics and methods to manage that. I, have, I hear exercise has helped, or have, I do exercise which helps, I think is what's meant here. Um, but what are some strategies when there is no clarity at work and the culture is not inclusive? And the additional comment here is that 
um, if you're a working mum and how, how do you get involved, I guess, in the culture? I think this is what the question means. How do you get involved in the socialising? I'm assuming that's outside of work if you're perhaps restricted from that to try, I guess, try and help change the culture. Well, I suppose on the aspects of the socialising and if there's things that are outside times that we're not able to do, it's looking within yourself and your group and your team and activating because there'll be other people that have been, I don't know, the size of the organisation, it does sometimes depend on the size of the organisation you work with, but, you know, there'll be other people too that might be keen going out, out at night that might be, you know, happy just to grab a quick lunch, et cetera, or have a morning tea or, um, you know, there's other opportunities. I know there's organisations now where someone's starting to have, you know, different talks on different things and then they've initiated different speakers, et cetera, or another company's initiated a cook-up where they, they have a kitchen and um, different teams cook and um, contribute that way and then they all have tastings, et cetera. So there's different, different options available and just because an organisation has done one thing um, the way they have ongoingly for a while doesn't mean that other things can be introduced because as I said if, if you're experiencing that there'll be other people as well or another organization a, a group a team has um, started going for walks at lunchtime or if it might be a few and then it, it's actually getting bigger and bigger because others are feeling how they come back from their walk and going yeah I want some of that too so now there's about 15 of them that are doing that so it it's seeing how you feel to connect with the people that you work with and then just putting that forward and seeing if there's an opportunity for that um, in the workplace as well. How about well, you, Sam? What's your feeling on the questions that have just come through? Um, look, I think, I think that's great advice. I think I love the idea of, you know, doing stuff together as a team, going for a walk at lunchtime and then how contagious those things can be because it is it's hard to irresist, sorry, it's hard to resist that positive energy when you start seeing it. So I just endorse what you said there. I'd also say that when politics is involved, usually egos are involved and that, that kind of false sense of self comes in. We get a bit protectionist and we're kind of jostling for position a little bit. We're getting territorial on our work. Um, so if you've got aware, awareness of this, and it can be hard um, because if everyone else is operating in a different way or, or many people are, the antidote or one of the antidotes is to try and see your ego when it comes up and, and try and dampen it down. It can be quite hard to do because it's when the politics game is being played, sometimes we think we need to play it to get ahead, but only usually, in my experience at least, causes ourselves more suffering and creates more tension, which perhaps is what you're alluding to in the question. So if you are able to keep bringing your full self to work, especially if you're so if you don't have much time, say, after work for socialising, if you're bringing your full self to work, even in a culture that is not so inclusive, you're still sharing who you are, um, sharing bits of you outside of work, you're starting to kind of bring those walls down. If people are being open, being genuine, uh, uh, being genuinely warm and positive, even to people that who perhaps have been difficult to work with, if we cannot take what people say personally and understand that their egos are up, that they perhaps have got their own issues, which is causing them to act in perhaps a competitive way or a non-inclusive way. If we can see their issues as their issues and still bring our full selves to work, we're starting to kind of break through 
um, that culture and start to change it little by little because all we can do is influence our own little patch. And again, you might start to find allies who are keen to sort of talk, be a bit more real, have a bit more fun at work, be a bit more open. But someone has to make the first move. Um, but it sounds like perhaps you could do this um, with your with your awareness of it. Sometimes we just have to be realise that people have gotten a bit lost. They're acting more unconsciously. So the more conscious we can be as a result, not resist all their anger, but just let it go over over us or let their tension go over us, but still be ourselves. That can be a really powerful thing to do and, and things can shift more than perhaps we might otherwise think. Awesomely wise words. <laughs> and um, as you were talking there, I think it's really important when you began is we've all got in, you know, we've all got investments and um, they can feel pretty yucky when you feel some of them. And it's great to clock it when you start feeling that. When I say investments, it's like, you know, you could say, oh, gee, well, if I don't play the politics, then I'm not going to get that rise, uh, that pay rise. Or I know I know so-and-so, how they work, then they're not going to put me up for a promotion. Or So, yeah, there's that aspect of life and then we feel our part in that too and we're all being contributing to not being authentic, hence why we have politics in the first place and the momentum that politics then gain. And everyone who's worked in different corporations can talk about the different cultures of politics within that organisation, meaning the different flavours, um, the different aspects. You can have an organisation that has all the right policies in place, work-friendly policies, all of that, but there's still an underlying, you know what, if you're not at your desk here and there at these times, that's what we're going to evaluate you on versus feeling how commi committed that person is, etc. So I suppose it comes down to how much are we wanting to work with the aspects of how we've contributed to politics as a whole? And it's like Sam was saying, you know, it takes someone to shift that. And often people will express that they're fearful because they know the reactions they're going to get when you're working against a, a um, flavour of um, politics. Um, then there can be a ripple on effect, etc. But just as Sam was saying, there are many that will be feeling the same way you are. So if we're really wanting to break down those politics, then it is someone going first and it doesn't have to be a huge bomb in the pool, so to speak, with splashes everywhere. It can be, you know, just acknowledging your part in that and how you're talking. And when you when you enjoy in a conversation that you know is is not really productive and you can go, oh, actually, that because you can feel it in your body. You feel that's horrible. I don't actually feel that, but I've just contributed to that. And it mightn't be, it could even just be that you're silent in that conversation and you're not offering another um, another level, basically, another platform to that communication. Mm. So that is still contributing, even if you're not voicing it, you are. Your body's there and your presence is there, so it is contributing. So, yeah, just as we're saying, there'll be others that will be very thankful. They may not voice it out, but you'll start to see shifts, etc. cetera. Um, so it's just like, well you know, what role model do you want to be? You know, what 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 do you want to offer your kids when you go home at work? If we've been contributing to that, then, you know, we're not then bringing our full self when we go home as well. And just when you said that, and also just to kind of 
you know, there's, perhaps there are a lot of people who are silent who will, yeah, will be benefiting from exactly what you're doing. I think that's a great comment because that can be help you keep moving forward, even if, you know, sometimes it will be hard. And I guess that made me think of it's also really good to then keep connecting outside of work or in other ways with people who are more perhaps more conscious, for want of a better word, so you're still getting that balance. So it makes it easier for you then to then go in and still be yourself at work because you're getting an outlet outside of work as well. Um, we had another question, which I guess is related, and it's, and it's to do with relationship tension um, and expectations. So the person's asked, I think I find most tension, I think I find tension most difficult to deal with when I know I'm doing my best, but others expect more and the tension these differences of opinion creates in relationships, i.e. work or at home. So I think that's a great one. Um, just the first thing that came to my mind, Katie, was I know I'm doing my best. So I think that's awesome just to acknowledge that you are doing your best, which is great. So that sort of can help diffuse a bit of tension because at least you know in that moment you're doing your best and then, then you're in a better place, which it sounds like you are, to then start to figure out, well, how can I diffuse the relationship detention. So it might not be about doing more because you know you're doing your best, perhaps you're at capacity, for example, at work or at home, but it can be, I guess, an opportunity to start to understand where these differences of opinion coming from, why people are perhaps either criticising or coming from a different perspective to you. So that can be, I guess, an opportunity to start doing that. Yeah. What do you and think, people yeah, people have pictures. We've all got pictures. And it just depends how much we've worked through those pictures to let them go to go, well, you know what, that's an expectation. And that, that's not great. And so when you feel, if you're doing your best and it's like, you know what, that's me. I'm doing my best. Then if there's a gap there, someone's actually got an expectation. So it might be I'm doing my best at the moment. I'm open for more improvement. Let's say if we're talking about work from, from completing aspects of work. You know, there is a development mental process in that and if someone's doing their best and they're open to that feedback, they're open to what next, etc. and there needs to then be a space provided for that development to take place. And if we talk about our relationships, we come into a union together and we've got pictures. And often those pictures are based on how do I need this person to be so that I feel okay? So where we're not actually meeting that within ourselves, then we can often look to our partner to be a certain way so it doesn't trigger our stuff, so that we're not pushed, et cetera, and that the relationship's comfortable. So it's depending on how you're approaching those aspects and those discussions that are, are feeling like I'm doing my best, but there's still more here. You know, if, if you've got that honesty to say, hey, you know what, I can hear what you're saying. I acknowledge that this is where I'm at or that doesn't actually feel okay with me for these reasons or yep and I'm working on improving that this is where I'm at I can see why it's frustrating you um, you know having those conversations that really helps to break down that tension so you're taking responsibility for what you can feel but you're also allowing the exposing of how someone else wants you to be and that might not just be you does that make sense? Oh, totally. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that's that's great advice as well. I know I keep saying it, but it, it just really resonates with me too. Um, yeah. 
uh, you know, I was just going to add um, that it can also, it's also an opportunity, I guess, to, if you can you know, go into the situation with curiosity, because when we, there's differences of, of opinion, the temptation is to hold to our current view, um, not necessarily, it can, can be about, can get competitive, so no one wants to give ground, and it can be about right and wrong. But if we go into a situation with curiosity, we're starting to change our perspective. So we're not necessarily going to change, we don't have to change perhaps stuff on a practical level. It may do, that may come up. But if we're going with curiosity to understand someone else's perspective, because as you kind of said before, I think this is how, this is my interpretation of what you're saying, Katie, was that we, people often might say one thing, but they mean another and understanding where they're coming from and what their motivations are behind what they're saying can be different. So when we know that difference, if we're approaching a conversation with curiosity, we're not necessarily fixed on the outcome. We haven't already decided what the right outcome should be. And we're also less likely to take things personal. With difference of opinion, what we often do is we take things personally. And that's usually when our egos come up and it's hard not to do sometimes, especially with people who are close to us. But the more things we take personally, the less open we are to someone else's perspective, but also open to change. The more we're kind of in the moment and we go into the conversation just being fully present, less with an agenda, then new things can come up that perhaps we weren't aware of that can start to give you more clarity around what is behind this perhaps constant butting of heads or whatever it may be. Mm, absolutely. I, I love how you've introduced the right and wrong because it's uh, so many situations that wants to pull us into that. If, if we just now take a moment to look at where are the tensions in our relationships and then how often we get pulled into the right and wrong aspect of it. Okay. And when we're pulled... Katie, sorry, I was just going to say, we've just got a question on this one. So I was wondering if perhaps, perhaps you could answer because I like where you were going with this but just on this specific example because it's to do with um, and this question is for those who are parents from the questioner and if their children are a source of tension how would you recommend bringing this up with them to try and address the tension? Yeah look often kids are a source of tension in whatever age because it's a reflection for us with where we're at and how we're dealing with things, et cetera, as well. So it depends, you know, obviously on the age of the child as to, um, you know, are they at an age where they can, could, perhaps if we could get a little bit more information about the person, uh, the situation and the, the ages, et cetera, for this particular situation. But um, definitely, you know, when kids are speaking and they're able to speak, it, it's bringing them in and acknowledging that so, you know, a two-year-old, they're very able to understand a lot of vocabulary. And when we're feeling that tension, you know, do we just go into, no, you shouldn't do that, no, that's not good, or that's naughty, or that's this or that, rather than, you know, definitely addressing the behaviour, but also giving a focus of when you do that, this is what happens. So that they've, they've got an understanding of the consequences of the behaviour that's happening as well. And we've all got responsibility. Just checking that you're still there, um, Sam, because the line just went quite quiet. 
Yes, yeah, just on mute. Yeah, I don't right. know if you've done maybe that's what did it. Yep. Yeah, yeah, no, that's great. Just wanted to make sure everyone's still here and I wasn't just yeah. talking, talking <laughs> We're still no here. one. Um, but you know, the the factor of responsibility is huge and that's a lot of what we subconscious subconsciously are not wanting to work with is the responsibility factor. And that's a huge, especially when kids are developing and they're starting to see a bigger picture in life, etc. You know the conversations we have with them to allow them to expand to see the consequences of their actions behavior etc that really helps with with attention and quite often if we're stressed or if we're feeling a bit time poor we can go into the as a parent don't do that you should do this blah 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 and it's very um doesn't allow that growth uh, that can be there and I'm, I'm guilty of this very much so too so it's talking from personal experience and then talking from when I do shift to step back at the, at the situation and give more information on the repercussion that's having on the family as a whole. And, and you know, often through the teenage stages, there can be a, a selfish me focus that they go into. So it's cutting that down as well. And um, we can often give leniency to our kids that we wouldn't accept that type of behavior from a friend. We just wouldn't. So why are we accepted from our kids? If kids are being abusive with how they're talking to us, that's just so not okay. Um, but you find that there's this thing that happens within families that we desensitize um, because it's family. Whereas it's like, you know what? No, there needs to be a level of respect, understanding, care in that as well. So I don't know if that's specifically. Do you, do you think guilt comes in there too, Katie, that, um... I know a lot of the parents I, I work with talk to me about this, that guilt, perhaps they're feeling either subconsciously guilty about not spending time with their ki- enough time with their kids, working too much, and so therefore as a way to compensate, even if it's unhelpful, you then maybe become a bit more lenient too. Yeah, that's a huge part of it, a huge part of it. And also, you know, where we're not wanting to address aspects, then you can see that pattern often happening with kids as well so you know it's it's a great it's great to step back and go so much learning to step back and go what's happening with the kids let me observe that for a while and let me see if i also have those traits that maybe i haven't clocked but they're similar and hence why i haven't addressed them earlier i know a beautiful lady was sharing the other day (laughs) she said um Ah, oh, my daughter's just so stubborn. She's the most stubborn person that I've I've ever encountered. And then she said I had a realization that the family was saying I, that she was stubborn as well. But she kept going, ah, oh, no, I can't really feel that. Can't really feel that. And then something happened, and she could feel the extent of her stubbornness, and went, oh my gosh. And then she started to watch and observe her daughter's behavior, and she said it was exactly the same. So. You know, oh, it's not it. always yeah, the case. <laughs> yeah, I'm not suggesting that, but it's so often when I hear parents talking, et cetera, and they have those realizations, they do see it. So how about first we start looking at the tension and, and observing that and then going, okay, where could I perhaps be having some of this in my interactions and maybe not as extreme, but, you know, and then when you start working on that yourself, it adds a lot more um, validity in what you're sharing them with, with what you're identifying as your behavior with your kids or or yeah. it could be 
not, not the kids, it could be other situations as well. But if we're taking responsibility and working with that, then that has a shift. Doesn't matter if it's clocked or not by them, but it definitely has a shift and, and there's a lot more um, strength in, in, in your words and in what you're saying. Mm, yeah, absolutely. I like, I like the way you talked about at the start as well, Katie, that look, if there's poor behaviour, if that's what perhaps you're alluding to with the question, um, that it's important to obviously not excuse poor behaviour, address it on a practical level. But also when we, you know, when we quickly jump to allocating or someone or a person as the source of tension, often when we're not seeing perhaps patterns of behaviour that we're developing over periods of time that have led to the current situation. We're not looking at our contribution to it. And that's not from a place of trying to point fingers at ourselves. It's just to go, oh, actually, yeah, this has changed in our habits and our lifestyle. So I can see how our kids may be interpreting this and therefore acting out. So it's it's only just to really help empower yourself, isn't it, to come to a to a resolution with it and with your child and, and offer understanding to, to both yourself and your kids. Yeah, and also with that, I just wanted to add that um, mm. if if we're getting really frustrated and, and really reactive, then it's something that we've overlooked because if you find, you you know, there's certain behaviours that really trigger you, you know, you can look at it and go, actually, I haven't addressed that to the level I needed to. So now it's accumulated, accumulated, accumulated so that I'm in reaction whenever I am addressing it because I actually haven't taken responsibility to have dealt with it to the level it needed to when the behaviour first started happening. So there's there's a few, you know, contributing factors to it. But just by you acknowledging that, that then shifts to go, okay, well, you know what, I'm a contributor here. So I've got to look at my behaviour and how I've contributed to the dynamics that we're feeling as well. Yes, absolutely. We've got one more question here and it's, it's it's um it's probably worth us I guess spending perhaps the next the last few minutes talking about it, Katie, and I'll just read it out. Um, so this person says I'm dealing with a lot of tension right now and I'm struggling to manage it. My role has been made redundant and I'm pregnant. The tension is predominantly financial tension. I'll only have four months before going on maternity leave and I need to keep working so I can have time off after the birth. I just can't get my head around it and the tension is intense. It's a big blow and my mind is very foggy. I can't seem to think straight. Given it's a new situation for me, I don't have the coping mechanism for this. I would love your advice. Yeah, I totally understand the tension that would be there in that situation and it's a very unexpected situation as well. So I suppose if we look back at life when things have really thrown us, when there've been things that we so didn't expect. And then just going, well, what are my what are my opportunities here? Because you you had a certain um, direction of where you felt things would be going, what would be happening. So given that this is happening out of your control, what, what are your options? Are there any other options within that organization? Um, again, we've had a certain picture, I suppose, that's formed of how it's gonna be. Um, at the later stage of your pregnancy and, and what's needed after that. So looking at, well, what are my financial commitments that I, I need to be making? And then even though it mightn't be something ideally that I saw myself doing or thought about it, what are the actual practical options to me looking outside the square that, that are available? 
um, and that's that's if if you've got a partner that's looking at, at the big picture of whoever's contributing financially at the moment and what's needed with that. Um, you know, it might even be, let's, let's go worst case scenario with things to go, okay, that's what I'm relying on as an income, but what, what can we, how can we restructure things if I need to um, with repayments of loans, et cetera. So at least by having those conversations, you're, you're really seeing what your full options are. And then often when it is a situation that we so don't expect, there are, you know, there are opportunities within that to go, well, what ideally would I like to be doing now? And maybe I wouldn't have even considered that before, but because this situation is presenting, what what are those options? So one, I, I you know, I, I feel for you in, in um, things being very unexpected and the tensions you're feeling, but yeah, kind of embracing it with looking at, how can I restructure things? What are my opportunities in that either within this organization that you're working with or, or elsewhere? Mm. So, is there anything, yeah. Sam, that you, feel that you can offer in relation to that specific question? Yeah, look, I think that, I mean, that's really good practical advice and, and it can be really difficult. So, sorry you've had the news, but it can be really difficult to process. So, what you're describing is completely normal just to give you a little bit of reassurance if it helps at all. Um, it is a big adjustment. Um, as Katie said, there's plans that you had in place and they've all been, you know, um, sort of been thrown off, off track, if you like. So that can cause us, it's a bit of shock. Um, what I would say time with time, and, and I'm not sure when this has happened, but often time can help start to help you get a bit of perspective on this. Um, you've talked about you can't think straight. You know, that's when tension is really high, stress is high, you know, you're on high alert, the nervous system's tired. So I guess the first thing I would do is just to try, if you can, to slow down because it's tempting when this happens and, and you've talked about financial tension and that's a very good one that can trick us into going to all these different scenarios. Well, what if this happens if I'm not working? What if that happens? And whilst there's practical realities of things that you need to do, if you've got someone to talk to about it, um, a partner or someone, for example, that can be good just to help get some practical advice on finances, etc. But a lot of the tension you're feeling is also going to be around the anxiety around what's just happened. And although there's practical things that you do need to do, obviously that you will put in place and you will, you'll, they'll, they'll, you will do that at the right time. The temptation is to keep worrying about it all the time. And that's what, when we're tense, our nervous system's under a bit of pressure, we get adrenaline, it kind of fuels symptoms of stress that then keep these thoughts going. And that's not something you have to do. Um, you will find a way through it. But what another one thing to do is just to get some help, perhaps with that tension you're feeling right now. So that can be, We've talked about um, on these podcasts before, if you listen around things to sort of try and slow life down a bit, gentle exercise can help deal with the excess adrenaline you're feeling so that the thoughts that you're worried about don't seem so powerful. Doing some mindfulness, doing some guided meditation, downloading an app on your phone, um, talking to someone. So maybe if there is an EAP program or at your, if you're still with your current work, often they, they, they offer that service too if there's redundancies involved. If not, you can always go to a GP, get a referral to see someone, see a coach. And I'm not saying there's any specific problem, but just having an anchor, someone in your life to try and um, have
have that time just to talk these worries through can help diffuse a bit of a ten tension so that you can then ease more easily focus on the practical stuff. Um, so that two-pronged approach to practical, but also dealing with the anxiety around the situation, I suspect will really help you because you might get a bit of peace with the anxiety, which will allow you then to focus more on the, on the practical things you need to do. Yeah, and also when you look back at life, these these big situations, if we look at it, you know, from all of our different um, experiences in life, even though they're not ideal at the time and not what we may have choose, they do provide different opportunities of growth too. So, um, yeah, you, you mm. may see other opportunities of work that you may not have considered previously that now you might be open to as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And look, I'm just conscious of time, um, Katie, but we just had a, a just a final comment or question and um, it's about how do I get access to the previous episodes of the web podcast? Now, I know that you had to register for it. You had to register for each episode and then you're sent a link afterwards. Um, if you haven't been sent a link or you haven't registered for a previous one, Katie, is it best that we that we um, that people email, the, um, yeah. which I've just hopefully flashed up on the screen, the email address to try and get access if you don't is info at parentsatwork.com.au. So if you send them an email, that's just for the, the, the people in the Parents at Work head office, they'll be able to hopefully give you access to, to it if you don't already. Yeah, they definitely would be able to give you access. So this brings us also to the next um, episode, which is on the 14th, the next webcast on the 14th of November at 12, and it's all about the responsibility of prioritising you. Um, so again, you know, reflecting on, on what we've discussed this episode and you've always got the opportunity to revisit anything in the next. Um, but if you did want to partake in that, you do need to register because if you've got the register, if you do register, then you do get sent that link and that recording as well. Um, so look forward to um, being with you all on the 14th if you, if you feel to join us. Fantastic. Thanks, everyone, and thanks for your input today. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, everyone. Bye, Sam.